Well, as, as you may recall, a long time ago, probably about the time that, that Luke actually wrote it, we were studying the book of Acts. And uh, <laughs> we're going to jump back into chapter 20, do a little brief re recap here of what we studied in uh, chapter 19. We, we ended with this riot that had taken place in Ephesus. And if you recall, it was a riot that, that basically broke out because of the spread of Christianity and the worship of, uh, and, and the problems that it brought because of their worship of, of Artemis or, or Diana, depending on if you're looking at it from the Greek or Roman perspective here. Um, and, and there was a silversmith who named Demetrius who, who started to fear that he and his fellow silversmiths in the guild might be put out of work because people would quit buying these these little shrines to put in their houses so that they could worship this false god and it turned into a major riot that took place um, in in ephesus and it's recorded there in chapter 19 and all the way through to the end and um, we find at the end of uh, of uh, chapter 19 that things are starting to break up because they realize that they are in, in danger of having an unlawful assembly and things kind of calm down and they start to, to work their way out of there. But Paul wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to get in there and talk to these people and he was held back and not allowed to get in the midst of it. And so once this all settled down in chapter 20, we find the, the first words telling us that after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So Peter the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, <coughs> accompanied him, and the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derbe and Timothy, and the Asians, Titius and Trophimus, they, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days, we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Anybody notice something that happened as we read through that? There was a, there was a change in something. Change in person. Change in person. At some point here, Luke has joined the group. It has become, it has become us and we, and not he and they. And so... He is now referring to, uh, to himself as part of the, the, the traveling uh, group there. Now, let, let's take just a minute and come to the realization here that, that if we were to put all this together in a comprehensive study of what has taken place with Paul's ministry, we, have, we would have already started to see that he has been writing things and sending them out that he has already been sending out different letters to different places. And um, it, it's interesting that by this time, he has already written, let's see, he has written, was it, is it First Corinthians? And he wrote that back probably sometime through the beginning of chapter 19, if we were to put all that together. But, but one of the reasons I bring this up is that if you look through 
Second um, Corinthians. It just struck me as interesting that in in Second Corinthians, Paul talks about writing these letters, and he talks about how he wrote First Corinthians. But specifically, in Second Corinthians, chapter seven. I think it's verses 8 and 9. He says to, to the Corinthians in, in this letter, he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, talking about the first one, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. In verse 9 it says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. I found it interesting that Paul would actually write in a letter that there was a time when he actually regretted or had feelings of regret, if you take that the way that it appears to be written, when he wrote 1 Corinthians and sent it. And if we think about what we, what we know and understand with regards to all Scripture, and how it is, it is God-breathed and it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and while we're reading about all these travels and the places that Paul has gone on his, his third missionary journey here and all of his encounters and things that are happening, you realize through all of this at different points in time, he's writing letters back to other churches to try and help uh, set things straight and deal with issues that are, are taking place. <coughs> that he actually has apparently a moment of regret. Now, how do we, what do you make of that? I just wanted to get comments and see what, what you <laughs> folks thought about that, realizing that it is scripture, realizing it is God-breathed, realizing it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. What does it say about Paul as a person? What does it say about how, how he must have interpreted his own writings and what he was doing at the time. Is it, does it make you think about anything? I, I just, I don't, I don't have any specific things I'm looking for here, but just to, to give a moment of reflection on, on, on Paul's feelings about what he was writing and sending out. Right. He did it on the spur of the moment. He said, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And then as time goes on, you start seeing the results when you said, well, now I did it. Yeah, I guess it was a good thing. Yeah, I guess it was a good thing. <coughs> so when we tough love a child, you know, we, we definitely, you know, we regret them and then having to give them a spanking or you know, say the words to them that we said that probably hurt their feelings and they were very sad, but maybe it was just what they needed to get them. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can, I can, I can certainly relate to that. <laughs> Anything else? Because I, I think for me, it's encouraging. It's encouraging because when we read about Paul and we and we know all the things that he did and we know how driven he was to to do what Christ had called him to do and to serve at the highest and utmost capacity. And yet knowing that the steps that he took while he was doing this, at times, he may have wondered if they were the right thing to do. Now, obviously, he felt led to do it. But the way it encourages me 
is, is making decisions that I feel led to do and then having second thoughts about whether or not it was the right thing. Because there are times when I wonder if that is sinful, where I wonder if that is, should you not move forward with total confidence? Should you not move forward and, as they say, step out on faith? I like to say leap out on faith, because when you're stepping out, you're still leaving one foot on solid ground and you're kind of feeling around. If you're really gonna do it, you're gonna jump, right, Tink? <laughs> and so if, you're, if, if, you, if you do what you're called to do, should there be those doubts and those concerns and those regrets if you're certain of what you're doing? Or are you doing it not really certain of what you're doing? Am, am I relating to anybody here at all this morning? Or may, maybe, uh, yeah, Scott's back there going, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. This hat on my head keeps me from absorbing anything you say. <laughs> he saw me outside and he said, oh, good, you're here. I thought I was going to have to teach again. <laughs> but uh, I just found it interesting that Paul would have that, that moment. Paul went after Peter also. Kind of took him down a little bit without going through all the steps that the council would go and tell you what take them aside and explain to him what they did it wrong. Right, yeah. He didn't bother with all that. No. And he's not trying to hide anything from people. He makes a mistake, you know, it's in there. And that's the other thing that I said that I find is is if if you if you get nothing else from it, I hope that it would add validity to scripture. Because what was it? Um, I forget. There was a preacher who said that that uh, the Bible is not a not a book that man would write if he could, nor could write if he would, because it it condemns him. It shows all of his faults. It shows all of man's problems, and it it it's a book that when we open it up and start to read it, we see that we have no hope in and of ourselves, and that if it's that if, that without Jesus Christ, there is nothing that we can do. To, to make anything even mean anything. And so, <clears throat> so it has to be divinely inspired. That's the only, only uh, conclusion you can come to when you read it. And, and finding these points where we see the imperfections of the people involved, for me, are encouraging. Yeah, I think... As, as Paul wrote the second, I mean, a large chunk of this, um, yeah, just like me going down to Springfield the other day, I'm thinking, I'm grateful that God chose me to speak at something like that, but it's, I can't imagine the pressure that Paul felt. Uh, it, the burden of responsibility and I don't mean burden in a worldly sense, but like yeah. he knew he knew what he was supposed to be doing, and he he was he was to carry it out. But then then he would write a letter, I'm sure, and and like you're saying, be like, what the heck is this? But yeah. still pass it on, you know. I'm the same way. Like you go down to Springfield, what the heck is this? What am I doing? What am I doing? But yeah, yeah. But I don't doubt it in the sense that God will use it. I you, you just you're like, why me? You know why 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 do you want to do this? Yeah. But I'm, I'm willing to do it, but like, my goodness, why? why? And I'm sure Paul felt that to the nth degree. I mean, 
But but did he though? Well, he probably honestly didn't. He probably in his mind he probably he didn't hold himself on a pedestal. I don't think he did. I think that the only the only thing that. I mean, in reading his writings, you, you have to come to the conclusion that any boasting he did was 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 all because of and to further along Christ. And it, but but to me, the one thing that I'm finding interesting here is that this is after Christianity has just caused a huge riot. You know, this is, and I'm, and I'm thinking, what must have been going through Paul's head? He writes this letter off, and he sends it off to, to the Corinthians, and then following that, he's doing what he feels led to do, and now all of Ephesus is in an uproar. Things are falling apart, and this is what Christianity brings. And, and, and there's a lot of, there's just going to be so much happening. He's experiencing so many things as a result of being obedient that that I have to wonder what was going through his mind. I mean, I, I don't doubt that he was dedicated. I don't doubt that he was endeavoring to do the right thing. Um, but you know, when you come into a, a place and you and you preach the gospel and a riot breaks out and the whole town turns starts to turn against what you're saying, man, that's got to be tough. Forget the fact that you're being put in prison and that you're being beaten and all these other things are going on. But I mean, this the whole city here is gathered in the Colosseum and they're just ready to just destroy anything and everything because of this false God that you're getting in the way of. And, and those types of things have to make it much harder to go on. And at the same time, you're writing letters back to other churches saying, get your act together, you know, and, and is... Is it, is it going to break them? Is it going to make it worse? Is it going to, I don't know, I'm just trying to get inside of Paul's head for a minute. And I probably don't want to. Caught up in the moment. With everything going on, caught up in the moment. And being led by God and trying to focus on God and do what God would want him to do, all while the devil is also working. Exactly, yeah. And so any human coming out of that is probably going to be look back and be like, whoa. <laughs> what just happened and start thinking about everything that they did and was there something they did that could have caused that because even still I'm focusing on God and trusting that he's doing what God would want him to do he's still a human yeah and so it would be I just think that that's normal to think did I do the right thing in that moment was I following God in that moment or was I letting the devil take over at that point that's a great. That's a great way to interpret that. I really think it is. Was re regret would mean did I do the right thing or did I succumb to a temptation out of anger to sit to write this letter and send it and <clears throat> and was I was I truly letting the spirit work or was I trying to step in? I think that's an interesting way of. That's a good way of interpreting that. Yeah. So yeah, again, and maybe that's and maybe that's what I want to want us to bring out of that little discussion, is that we we can tend to put Paul on a pedestal. You know, we can look at Paul and say, "Why well, he wrote three fourths of the New Testament, and look at all the things he did." And then we, when we when we put him in that light, we forget what a sinner he was, and we forget all the issues and problems that he had before he came to Christ. And 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 I just I think it's interesting and good for us to to realize that that. 
as even though he had experienced what he experienced on the road to Damascus, he was still like you and I. He still faced problems and temptations and doubt and all of these other things. And imagine, even though we don't need to know it and, and God didn't see fit to give it to us, but imagine what we don't read about that he went through. Because there's a lot, there had to be a lot that he experienced that's not necessary for us to know. But I, I want to think about that for a minute just because when we think about his travels and we think about all these people he had with us, with him, and what he went through in order to be able to, to be obedient. And what was it, Tink, you were talking about flying on a plane and how you, you were complaining about you know, being able to have to sit for, what, 16 hours or whatever it was. And, and it, and it kind of that kind of melds here with me that they had so many challenges, so many problems, and so much going on and rioting in the cities. And it's it, yet we sometimes, as Christians in this day and age, we don't take the effort to walk across the street and, and, and get, even get to know our neighbors. You know, and and there's it, and we have the ability to travel anywhere and do anything we want, for the most part. And these guys were facing all of these challenges and doing all of these things. And you know, we're we're content this day and age to sit on our back porch because if we were on a front porch, somebody might say hi. <laughs> so, what's that? We might have to wave. We might have to wave. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I forget who said that. Somebody was here who, who delivered um, a message one time and mentioned that you ever wonder why you see back patios now instead of front porches? Because you don't see a lot of front porches on, on that are of any size on any of the new houses that are being built for the most part. It's back patios. We want to be back in the back of our house, not in the front of our house where other people might see us. It's a, it's a complete flip-flop from how things used to be. I'll quit uh, ranting on that. Yeah. I've been going down to Chuck's on Fridays just to just to get to know folks, you know. And I was standing. That'll do it. Yeah, I'm standing in line, and I have the my temptation is to just sit on the back porch and I have energy for this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I caught myself in there. I was like, okay, you are here. The purpose of you being here is to talk to people. So open your mouth. <laughs> so I look over at the guy standing, just the old man, other guy standing right next to me, and I started talking to him. And this guy was a faithful believer. And he goes on to tell me all of these dramatic stories of God bringing him from death to life and, and uh, all of these radical transformation. We talked for an hour, and I sat with his wife and ate lunch. He had his wife. And he lives right down here on, uh, right before you get to Gunpowder Creek. And uh, his name's Doug Reed. Is anybody know him? Doug and Mary Reed, R-E-I-D. I do, I do not. Anyways, uh, and we we laughed about, we were sitting there talking, and we, we were just, I told him, you know, I've been coming down here just to try to meet people, and I, I've met you today. And the, the only, uh, for us to have this conversation, all we had to do was say hello. That's it. Like I didn't hit him with some sort of, I don't know what, I said, what was said to, to create that conversation, but it wasn't much more than, hey, how you doing? I mean, that was about it, you know. 
I said, I live down I said, you live around here? He said, I live down by Gunpowder Creek. Where do you live? I live right next to the church. Yeah. Next to the church. And then I, that probably started, with, I guess. But, um, yeah, if we just open our mouth and are intentional about like leading the the conversation in spiritual direction, which he did most of that. I don't know what he did, but it was great. And all it takes is just a little bit of effort. Yeah, but yeah. I have the tendency to want to hide in the actual just Well, I think we all do. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it, it is human nature for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, <coughs> to, to want to kind of, especially especially with the way we all live our lives today, when it, it usually it is get up, go out, run, 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 do this, hurry, 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 take kids here, there, come back. So if we've got a minute or two, we want to be away from people, not with people. There's a th- there's just this thing about wanting to relax and be, and, and be, you know, it's, you ever go on vacation and come back and realize you need a vacation? <laughs> you know? Come back to work to rest. Yeah, come back to work to rest, yeah. <laughs> I said it, it was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for all of our children and, 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 and for the, our family and the way things are. But getting ready for vacation was some of the hardest work we ever did. And then taking all the five kids and, and trying to keep track of everybody and not losing Jesse and Cracker Barrel. Don't ask her about it. She won't like it. it these things happen, right? And, and, you know, you go out in a car and, and you go one, two, three, four. Wait a minute. You know. And you, you got to keep, and that just, I mean, stresses you out completely. I know I'm hitting home on some things here, right? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our cabin was like here on a hillside, and there was a church having VBS down here, and how tempting it was to not send the kids to VBS for it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Did you test your blood pressure prior to and then tested like? Oh no, scared to death to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd feel like I'd, I'd have to go to the doctor and get more medicine or something. Yeah. No, it no, wasn't. It wasn't good. I, I see. My my way of taking vacation doesn't work with a lot of people's. My way of taking vacation is zero preparation. You get up shortly before you're going to leave. You throw some things in a bag and you leave. I don't like planning and I, I can't stand all that. For, for me, a trip needs to be, I'm going now and I don't want to put too much effort into it. And wherever I end up is where I'm going to be. I like to just take off driving and see where I, you know, I, that's, and that's how I did it before I got married. So for the last 30 years, I really haven't had a vacation. <laughs> that Pastor Jody Martin, who we've been listening to on Wednesday nights in here, uh, he says, if you take the kids with you, it's a trip. Yeah, it's not a vacation. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny. You mentioned yeah a while ago. I forget exactly where you said it, but you said something about um, somehow you said what did you say? Take about coming back from the dead or bringing uh, death, to death to life. Something. It, it's where we're going into next here in the book of Acts and in, in, uh, uh, verse seven starts uh, us on this discussion about um, Eutychus and this is this is the story of the uh, uh, of the gentleman uh, we, there's some discussion about how young the young man is um, who fell out, fell out of the window and fell three stories to his death and uh, and basically because he was listening to a long sermon so you know you need to remember 
when you're preaching. Don't, don't, don't sit in the window. Don't sit in the window. That's right. Yeah, if you see anybody going to the window for some air, yeah, <laughs> we, need to, we need to deal with it. But also note that in, in verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, this is our first reference to worshiping on Sunday. This is our first reference in the book of Acts to, to worship and gathering together happening on the first day of the week. <coughs> so it tells us in verse 7, on the first day of the week when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. So Paul had a lot to say. He's saying his farewells, he's preaching, he's, he's, he's talking a long time. Verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. I'm not sure of the, the exact reason why we have to know that there were many lamps, but I'm guessing that the burning of the oil perhaps makes things, you know, to where you might need to get some air. There might be some smells in a room. Uh, but but there, but it's important. apparently it was important for us to know that there were many lamps there. And then it says in verse 9, And a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. And uh, some of the notes I've read on this says, you know, the, 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 direct, the direct interpretation here is not that he was like dead, he was dead. We have to read that as he fell out of the window and died. Plain and simple. Yeah, you, you haven't killed anybody yet with your sermons, Tank, I hope. So... <laughs> <laughs> on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's 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 another rendering for it. Yeah. And I think that. Yes. Talk on for thirty minutes, and I'm gonna get off. But Paul had a lot to say, and unfortunately, this young man. You know, and some of the commentaries I've read on this on this account talk about, um, of course, Eutychus, a literal interpretation of that is, is fortunate. He was, he was, his name meant fortunate. And uh, some of the things I've read on this in, interpret this as though he was probably a servant and he had probably been working all day and he was tired when he got there and then he was enduring this on and on and on and on message. And so there's a bit of a humor here. Um, and, but he moves to a window to get some air, perhaps gets overcome with sleep and falls down from the third story and was taken up dead. In verse 10, it says, But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So Paul takes this opportunity um, to raise this young man uh, from, from death and bring him back to life. <coughs> Excuse me. But I do find it interesting that, yes, Paul went on and on and on. Even after he died. 
Yes, yes. Now let's go back in. Yes, yeah, that's right. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah. So I was at the Dinsmore house a week or so ago, and they said when they used to burn whale oil before electricity, it was very smoky. Is that right? Okay. I mean, I guess they could have been burning another kind of oil, but if they were burning a very smoky, like, whale oil or something, could it potentially have been more like carbon monoxide poisoning? Yeah. He was very tired. That could be. This is a dangerous, smoky situation. Yes, I've got to get some air. Yes. It can be hot and everything. That many lanterns burning in a third-story building. Maybe that's why Paul spoke so long. He was getting real sluggish and stuff. It's very possible. Yeah. Everybody else was, was so sluggish. <laughs> yeah, you have to wonder. Of course, I mean, the the, the account is pretty, is pretty straightforward here. But I guess... Do you ever read an account like I just did here and think to yourself, why do we, this is cool. Why do we need to know that this happened? Other than, other than understanding that, that Paul brought him back and, and his, his power as an apostle and, and uh, you know, what he was able to accomplish was, was truly miraculous. Uh, but, but why do we need to know that he fell asleep and was by the window? Um, this is, these are some of the things I read sometimes and say, God has a sense of humor. There are things in, in the Bible that, that point to the fact that God does have a sense of humor. And I'm so grateful of that. I really am. It's probably encouragement to pastors to not get discouraged when... It, yeah. Exactly. What was that? What was that, Bristol? Sleepers you have to worry about. It's the children's church work. <laughs> That's, that's how I've been saying it. Who among us has not fallen asleep during a sermon? Luther counts this event uh, to remind us that God has the power to restore the dead to life. God works beyond our own natural capabilities more than what we would consider possible. He can do the same for those of us who are dead and sick. We can find hope for restoration in this amazing story. Very nice. <clears throat> I, I like that. Uh, I, <laughs> it reminded me. I'm trying to find it here. While um, while you were reading that, I don't see it here. I have to, I have to locate it. I think it was Wearsby who who wrote a commentary on this and talked about how he he veered off in a totally different direction. He talked about how we need to as 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 worshipers realizing when we come to a. Uh, come to church and, and the, the, the pastor is speaking that it's for our benefit and that we should prepare ourselves to be able to pay attention uh, 
And so he, he's writing it from a pastor perspective and saying, you know, falling, he, essentially I interpreted it, um, and I don't see it here where, where I found it, but uh, I interpreted his point of view was, you have no excuse for falling asleep in church and you shouldn't be doing it. And, and I was, I was going to read it to you, but I don't see it here. So it's in, I think it's in his uh, Bible exposition commentary. I'll have to see if it's, see if I can find it, but. Yeah, I think it's where the, the preacher who dreamed that he was in the pulpit preaching, when he woke up, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the preacher was asleep. Yeah. Brad, if you have to explain it, it's, it's not funny. It's not so don't do anything else. I know you're used to explaining your jokes, but Jim's just work. Okay. <laughs> I have to explain my yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to get it. It's the other. It's the other side of it. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll pick up there next week uh, in, in chapter and verse 13 and um, read about what takes place after that. And then uh, continuing on through his wrapping up his missionary journey here and uh, working our way through Acts. But I appreciate the discussion this morning. Um, uh, it's <laughs> it's always good to, to have a little more lighthearted discussion at times. Um, but uh, feel free to read ahead there. My intent is to get back in there, providing I'm not sidetracked by something I read this week. So uh, anybody have any, any uh, uh, closing uh, comments or questions? <coughs> Mary. So Wednesday night, a few weeks ago, we were studying the end of Second Timothy. And it also talks about a different, a coppersmith called Alexander did all much harm. So there was... Probably more than one. There's another account, yeah. But it was funny. I, I we had been studying Alfred and Acts, and it was interesting that this was very relevant. And Bob Mauer brought up, you know, that it was the coppersmith was probably trying to make little false gods. Probably so, yeah. He was so <coughs> adamant about trying to take down Paul. And it also talks about how Paul is very uh, personally hurt by some of the people. And that's some of the last things he talks about. It's, and I think that's very human because I hear a lot of people that say, well, I won't go to church because of the time where I was hurt by the people at church. And all is not immune to that either. Um, no, that is that's very encouraging to know that, well, to know that he had feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had feelings. <laughs> come on, Eli, We're done. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and just, just close with a word of prayer, and then we'll head on into sanctuary. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this day, and thank you for the discussion we've had here. Uh, Father, I'm so grateful, again, that we have the opportunity to do this each week. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us as we enter into the sanctuary. Uh, pray that you will uh, just just give Tank the, the, the courage and the wisdom uh, to speak the words that you've laid upon his heart, Lord. And uh, I just pray, as always, that 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 hearts will be uh, uh, opened and that uh, relationships will be formed and that existing ones will be strengthened. Uh, Lord, we look forward to everything that you will do as we move forward. And we thank you for all that you have done. It's in Jesus' name, amen. amen.